The following program depicts scenes of murder and violence. Viewer discretion is advised. Words appear sequentially. Crime Crusher. Featuring Donna Judd. On whose blind life is it anyone? Sponsored by VIP Tech. Episode 7 Bad Luck on Leafy Lane Hello there, it's Detective DJ and welcome to our weekly show of the Crime Crushers. This week I am pleased to introduce an episode to you called Bad Luck in Leafy Lane. Very sad story, but I hope that you can solve the problem. So here we go. It's a beautiful spring morning as Dr. Ryan Martini, who is a crime scene specialist, accompanies a couple to the crime scene in Leafy Lane. Ryan is very tense because he already knows what to expect. He received information a few hours ago and has already visited the crime scene but has not touched anything. He left his team to preserve and guard the crime scene in order to call the couple. The couple is very nervous, very scared, and the wife is crying softly. The husband does not fail to notice the fragrant scent of flowers wafting through the air. As the birds sing and the trees sway gently in the breeze, Ryan walks on with the couple trailing close behind. Ryan recites a silent prayer to himself as he walks along, and soon enough he slows his pace and angles towards a dirt path where several of his team are waiting for him. He waits for the couple to catch up and all three walk down the dirt path. A small group approaches and makes way for Ryan and the couple to get by. Ryan stops at a clump of bushes and then parts the bushes and everyone watches as he does so. His movements are deliberate and steady. Soon he stops and then he motions the couple forward. The wife begins to cry more loudly and clings to her husband's hand. Ryan bends down and begins to move the bushes away and when he's finished doing this he straightens up and moves aside for the couple to come forward. The couple stares down in horror and then the wife gives out a shrill and faints. The husband catches the wife just before she falls and under his breath he is heard to say, our only child and now she's gone. Carrie Christensen has been brutally murdered and her body lies beneath this clump of bushes. Her half-clad body bears marks of violence, and there are deep stab wounds on her chest, her stomach, and her neck. She also has stab wounds on her arms, and there is congealing blood on her chest 
and her stomach. But mercifully, her face has been left untouched. There's something strange, though. Her long golden hair has been arranged in a halo. Long, beautiful golden hair. Most present would agree that Carrie looked so much like a Madonna. Now, Tim and Heather Christensen have to deal with the murder of their only daughter and their only child. The couple identify their child from a golden chain with a cross on it that she has worn for many years, one that they gave to her. The crime scene team also shows the Christiansons a backpack that was found close by. They identify this as that of Carrie, and the backpack contains a wallet, a cell phone, some books, the usual stuff that most students carry around. It also has a PDA, makeup, and a brush. The crime scene team also shows Carrie's parents the knife that the killer used to kill their daughter. It was found close to Carrie's body. The forensic experts have also found two other objects which for now they're keeping to themselves. Our resident psychologist, Dr. Shea Harrington has tried to develop a profile of the murderer and this is what she's thinking. Dr. Shea is thinking that the murderer chose this location because it was quiet and he chose this location because he knew that the victim would be walking in this area with no one around and he knew that the victim often went there um, because they liked going there for quiet times. It was probably one of her favorite places to walk and think. Alrighty, on to part two. We're going to kick off with motives for the crime as seen through the eyes of our residence investigator and my sidekick. Chip Sanderson. What Chip has found out is that Carrie Christensen recently broke up with her boyfriend of five years. An ice skating competitor wanted her out of the picture because Carrie was a very good ice skater. One of her dad's enemies had also put out a kidnapping hit on Carrie. A crazed person wanted her all for himself. Here's what Chip's investigation has turned up. Carrie Christensen was the one and only daughter of a very rich tycoon, Tim Christensen. She was the all-American girl. She was determined to make it on her own without her dad's help. She was very bright, very popular, and getting ready to go to England to pursue a scholarship at Oxford University. This was her final year at this university. She had recently been named as a Rhodes Scholar and she had also been chosen as her class's valedictorian. Carrie had recently had a messy breaking up with her boyfriend Stefan of five years. They no longer wanted the same things in life. He took the breaking up a lot worse than she did. He was very angry and accused her of having someone else.
Carrie had also excelled at ice skating and had recently been chosen for the Olympic team. One of her competitors had become extremely upset at this and had accused her of getting the Olympic spot through her dad, but the allegations were not true. She had threatened Carrie with physical violence and had enlisted the help of her boyfriend. Now, this person had promised to marry her boyfriend if he had helped her to get rid of Carrie. The university had warned students not to walk alone on evenings in Leafy Lane, but Carrie had chosen to ignore these warnings. And she had often gone there to walk, sit, and think. As mentioned, it was one of her favorite places. Now, her dad had warned her and told her about the threat to her, but Carrie didn't take it seriously. A student at the university had offered to keep an eye on Carrie on behalf of her dad. Carrie's mom did not know about this, and she also knew at the same time that someone had had more than just a crush on her. He had been sending her gifts and passionate emails, and she did not take it very seriously. However, her friends were very concerned for her. Let's look at the names of these people who Chip Field had motive for killing Carrie. Stefan, Mitchell, Bruno, and Andrew. Stefan, who was very angry with Carrie after their breakup, he was her boyfriend of five years, or had been her boyfriend of five years. We had Mitch had promised to help his girlfriend get rid of Carrie because his girlfriend had promised to marry him if he had done what she wanted him to do. Bruno had been hired to kidnap Carrie and Andrew had been obsessed with Carrie. Let's look at the cause of death as ascertained by Dr. Nicholas Gasquet, a resident pathologist. Carrie Christensen had bled to death. She had died in great agony. She had also been savagely raped and her body had been discovered a few hours after death. It is possible that she could have been saved if she had been helped right away, but that didn't happen. The cool outdoor temps had helped to preserve her body. Let's look at how it was done. On that fateful spring evening, Carrie Christensen had decided to take a walk. Unknown to her, she had been followed to her spot in Leafy Lane. She had told her roommate, Michelle, that she was going for a walk to clear her head and had mentioned something about going to Leafy Lane. Carrie walked slowly and upon entering Leafy Lane, she headed for one of her favorite spots. This spot was under the huge tree. There, she sat on one of the benches and placed her backpack beside her. She leaned her head back and was soon engrossed in her own thoughts. She must have been deep in thought because she never heard her killer approaching. He waited until she was seemingly comfortable and then he made his move. But meantime, someone else watched from behind a tree. 
The killer called Carrie's name, and when she did not move, he made his move. He struck. First, he dragged her by her hair and started pulling her towards him. She recognized him a bit too late, just before he overpowered her. Carrie could not understand why this was happening to her. Why would this person want to kill her? He threw her on the ground and wasted little time in raping her. Carrie tried to fight back, but to no avail. She managed to bite him on his right ear, but it only made him more angry. The killer took out his knife and stabbed her several times about the chest and stomach. He inflicted several wounds, but the fatal one came when he stabbed her in the stomach. He then rose, took her backpack, and flung it in the nearby bushes. He did the same with her torn clothes. He then wiped his prints off of the knife and flung it beside Carrie's body. Someone watched from behind a tree as the killer walked quickly away. When the killer was out of sight, the watcher came out from his hiding place from behind the tree. He lit a cigarette as he approached the dying Carrie. As he looked down at her, he realized that there was not much that he could do for her. For a few seconds, he stood there, transfixed at her beauty. She was trying to say something, but he was afraid to draw closer to listen. When he felt that she had either slipped away or passed on into unconsciousness, he approached. He bent over, and something made him reach over and rearrange her hair into a halo. He whispered something under his breath. Then he turned, spat out his cigarette, and then walked away. Some distance away, he turned, collapsed, and vomited. He called himself a coward over and over again. He told himself that there was something that he could have done to stop this brutal murder, but he did nothing. to part three and let me give you a very quick summary of this crime scene of young Carrie Christensen found brutally murdered and was also raped under a clump of bushes. Her parents identified her from her gold chain with a cross on it. We have suspects, we have Stefan, her boyfriend of five years, they had had recently had a breakup and he had not taken it very nicely. Mitch, who had promised his girlfriend to get rid of Carrie in return for her marrying him. Bruno, who had been hired to kidnap Carrie. And Andrew, who had had a um, unquieted love of Carrie. He had a huge crush on her. Let's look at some of the questions you may want to ask yourself when thinking of solving this murder. Did the backpack hold any clues? Did the killer leave any DNA? Could the killer have left any other telltale signs at the scene? 
which of the suspects could have had the best opportunity to kill Carrie? And which of those suspects could have had the strongest motive? Those are the questions you need to think about and ask yourself when trying to solve this crime. Let's look now at some of the revelations for you. Yes, Stefan was extremely angry over the breakup, and his entire life had revolved around Carrie. He had planned his entire future around Carrie. He wanted her back. He did not want her to go to England. Mitch was only interested in hurting Carrie enough to have her out of the Olympics. Nothing more and his motive was strictly to please his girlfriend. Bruno had been sent to kidnap Carrie, and there was never any thought on his part of killing her. He was not into killing people. Andrew was totally obsessed with Carrie. One evening before the killing took place, he had happened to overhear Carrie telling her friends about this so-called threat to her. He hatched a plan to get closer to Carrie. He befriended her and soon she told him about the threats to her. And he had offered to be her protector and her dad had willingly agreed. So who do you think did it? Could it have been Stefan? Mitchell, Bruno, Andrew. The killer was Andrew. On that fateful evening, Andrew followed Carrie to Leafy Lane. He had been hanging around outside her for a dorm, which he had been doing for the past few weeks, and he had never stopped sending her gifts and emails. He had come to the realization that she would never love him in return, so he planned to kill her. He had planned to do it in Leafy Lane, and here was his chance. After all was said and done, Andrew left the crime scene without his class ring, which he only missed days later. It was too late because the police had found it. It was Mitchell who had witnessed the killing. Early the next morning, he had made an anonymous call to the police. He told the police that he had been walking his dog and it was his dog who had discovered Carrie's body. He had later confessed to what he had seen and Carrie's roommate had also phoned the police the next morning, reporting that her friend had not come back to their dorm. He also told the police that Carrie had mentioned that she was going to Leafy Lane the night before. The police raided Andrew's home and had found evidence on his hard drive. Copies of his emails that he had sent to Carrie was just a part of the evidence that they had found. Andrew had been convicted based on the class ring that had been found at the crime scene with his blood on it. The cigarette butt had confirmed that Mitchell or Mitch had been there.
So there you have it, folks. Another Crime Crushers mystery. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope that you discovered who the killer was. And thank you very much for coming. Bye-bye. This has been Crime Crushers. On whose blind life is it anyway? The Blind Perspective Network. Catch Crime Crushers every Wednesdays. On whose blind life is it anyway? Sponsored by VIP Tech.